begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, aka Star Raptor, joined by the one and only Milton Weber and real Ben Maynard here for episode number 79 of the Outer Rim Transmission, your weekly source for the latest in Star Wars news, commentary, and much, much more. We are here today, especially to talk about Andor season one, episode seven, titled Announcements. Um, that was funny how they actually had the title called announcement. I was like, are they announcing something? No, this is just part of the episode. So <laughs> we're going to get into that tonight as well. Some news updates as usual. But I'm going to throw it over to Ben, man. How you doing? How's it going? What's new with you with Star Wars? Um, good, good. It's been a it's been a pretty good week for me. I would say, um, I, well, I mean, I, I was a little sick earlier in the week, but I'm feeling better now. So, so you know, things are getting better. Um but yeah, I mean, for me, with Star Wars this week, it wasn't too eventful, really, other than I, uh, I just like, I went and, uh, you know, I, I was just looking around on YouTube and checking out like different creators and stuff. Um, you know, just talk, I, uh, you know, I went and was looking up reviews of like some of the old, the old expanded universe books, like seeing what just random reviews, like about the Thrawn trilogy, about the Republic Commando books, like, and it's cool seeing people like because i saw people post reviews about like the thrawn trilogy just from like over the summer they had posted the video and it's cool just seeing like like you know people go back and go back to that old content like that and you know review it as like kind of a new review post like from 25 years ago type thing so uh you know i just went was you know just was searching around stuff like that um because you know as you, as we all know here, like when it comes to like fitness and stuff, you know, you need something to like do when you're on the treadmill for mm -hmm. like 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah. So that's what I did for all my like cardio sessions. When I was doing some cardio, I, uh, yeah, I was just researching like old reviews. Like I was thinking of old titles, like, Oh, death troopers review. Oh, you know, this review, that review. And was just checking out what people had to say about Ooh. the old, uh, Star Wars books. So it was pretty cool. Just checking out what people were saying. And the funny thing is like a lot of the reviews on, on those old books, you know, they're still standing strong. Like people, like all the, you know, almost all those reviews I was talking, talking about, like they were getting like positive feedback on these things. Like the funny thing is like death troopers, for example, Oh yeah. um, you know, it, just like when we talked about it before a few weeks ago, um, the review I saw, like the person was like, Oh yeah, this is like such a, uh, you know, an amazing star Wars story, blah, blah, blah. But man, it is like brutal. And like mm -hmm. one of the most brutal star Wars stories there are um so you know it's cool just hearing like people still talk so like glowingly about projects that are 10 20 25 years old like that yeah it really comes down to it all holds up and the subject matter is so enticing and you know you could leave your thoughts at the door about oh is this canon or not and just get swept away in the story uh because it's relevant i mean I, I still want to revisit the Thrawn trilogy that, that Zahn did in, in the 90s because, uh, you know, with everything going on with, you know, where we think we're going to be with Mandalorian, we think we're making a pseudo Thrawn trilogy in live action, basically, for the most yep. part. So it would be kind of cool to go back and just enjoy that because, again, that was one of the first books I read. I, I read that that book series shortly after I read Harry Potter. So I, I remember reading that book and being transported back into that that eye doctor's office like reading a chapter about luke skywalker in like these trees or something like like that's how much that book impacted me like almost like probably like 20 
22 years later, I still remember where I was in a certain chapter. Like, I could only say certain things, like with the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones, um, Storm of Swords. I remember exactly where I was in my reaction to that moment, reading that book for the first time before I even seen the show. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of those books, again, they just they just hold up. What about you, Milton? Um, have, you, have you delved into... Some of the older stuff, or have you seen other people talking about some of the older stuff recently? Um, not recently. I mean, and I'll answer that question in a second. But as for my week in Star Wars, I didn't really have much this week. This has been kind of like a low-key week uh, in my life when it comes to Star Wars. So really no news to report on that front. However, to answer your question now, uh, Chris, um, yeah, I've, I, think, I think I might have mentioned it during one of my weeks in Star Wars about a month or two ago. There was a guy that I discovered who's been going back and just doing like retro, like views oh. of say the books or movies or whatnot. And it's it's nice to see that you know you can clearly tell that the expanded universe, especially the post Return of the Jedi stuff, um, has been well received and still liked till this day. You know, obviously this gentleman that was reviewing the um, Legacy of the Force trilogy or excuse me series talked about. He's like, listen, this should have been what the sequel trilogy should have been. With, mm-hmm. with the films because we have the characters we have the story built in you might have to tweak some things um for the movies but he like the story was already written and and i agree with them um obviously ben solo and jason solo have a lot of commonalities as characters but they're very different too so yeah i, I still go back and try to check out old reviews just because like i said i enjoy the audiobooks and the legends books so much I know there's a Legends book that I need to actually rebuy. I think you have it, Chris, which is the uh, the Darth Maul. Was it uh, what's it called? Shadowhunter. Hunter. Shadowhunter. Yeah. Oh, that's really I want to get that one because that's the one that Sam Whitworth does that he narrates. So I think Dude. that'd be a good one to do or to add to my collection just because mm-hmm. I like Sam Whitworth as you know an actor, entertainer, and he he does have a voice that fits Star Wars. It's so good. He really gets like real low in the voice and as Maul, and you just you almost cringe in fear when you're hearing him play the Emperor. Just the rattling voice of like, oh shoot! <laughs> and by oh, the no, way, and, that, and that's, yeah. that's crazy because like I, I love that he plays you know Palpatine because you know it's funny how people think of Palpatine and an old man without think of him as an old man playing the character, and really it's like no, um, Ian McDermott was. 36 years old when he first played that role in Return of the Jedi. You know, see, he wasn't old. And it's funny because Sam Whitworth has told a story. He's like, anytime that I want to voice some people say, well, you're not an old man. He's like, neither was Ian McDermott. He was 36 <laughs> when he started. You know, same age as I was at the time when he took that character over doing the animation version. So to me, you can tell there's a difference between Ian and Sam, but they're very common too in how he just portrays those characters. So Again, Sam's perfect as a as a voiceover actor when it comes to these books, so yeah, I can't wait to add that to my collection someday. It, it, it really is fantastic when you see somebody that voices a character or even plays a character in live action somehow gets the chance to do something as simple as what we think is a book. It's like, man, they're taking the time out of their day to do that. I'm sure they're getting paid handsomely for it, but it's still cool to be like, hey, they're transferred between mediums to... A lot of them, I think, are do, would do it willingly for a very low price because they just that that character is theirs. They think, well, I mean, not his particularly, but like they feel almost a sort of ownership. Like you look at what Billy D. Williams does, 
And that guy is he I don't know if anybody else ever voices Lando. Even like the Lego yeah. stuff he's doing him, so it's fun. Well no, um the funny I, thing I is the... Oh, go on, Milton. Well see, I know in the radio drama he does Empire, but he doesn't do Return of the Jedi. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I was gonna throw in there. Um speaking of the voice actors, um to kind of uh throw in this story, I mean it wasn't on our show notes. But I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So um, did you guys see a couple weeks ago, I think it was when he had the week off, actually, um, Hollywood Reporter reported James Earl Jones actually retired. Oh, yeah. So, so he, uh, so yeah, for like our listeners, the cool thing about this story is like, you know, you may hear uh, James Earl Jones retiring, that stinks. But the really good part of that article that came out of it was he signed his voice rights indefinitely for for lucasfilm to use as darth vader so like they can they're going to keep using his uh you know his voice electronically like they did for um you know for the kenobi series and uh like other projects so you know now we're basically going to get james earl jones likeness for darth vader just from here on out which is great in my opinion yeah so that's cool that you know they had enough foresight into the future with that because you know stuff with Tarkin obviously they didn't sign any paperwork or anything that was yep. like way in the future and like I guess they had to get the rights by the estate of of um, uh, Peter Cushing's family and all so it's neat to see like hey you know he acknowledges like hey go ahead use my use my likeness or, the, or whatever use my voice it, it's fine um, the one thing I'll say is like hey Vader's voice is synthesized anyway so like people having a problem with that it's like look his voice is mechanical like even if it sounds that way in recordings and it doesn't because it sounded amazing in obi-wan i loved it in obi-wan more than i liked his own voice in rogue one he's got he's got older way older you, you can tell um so yeah i think that's great yeah Milton. you hear me i can hear you yeah we can hear you now yeah, um, I mean, look, it's James Earl Jones, man. It, it's like, what else can I say? It's uh, it, it's a character that's beloved by everyone that likes Star Wars. He has a very iconic voice, no matter it's Darth or Darth Vader or Mufasa or whomever, you know. So I'm glad that he's cool with doing that. I'm not surprised. Um, but like I said, now that his voice will always be, I guess it will be immortal in a lot of ways, just because. We'll be able to use it from you know the end of time so that's what's up yeah by the way Milton, i i seen on facebook um you did a little bit of jedi training on asian class or a similar location earlier on the week with your uh with your work it looked like can you tell us about that oh yeah that was today um so today we had a a, a staff retreat we went to this uh like this campground where we, we work with this company they have like a rope high ropes course they have a, um like a climbing thing and like a, nice. like a giant swing it's it's, it's oh. a wilderness camp where we went and, um anyways we were able to do this training but also at the same time they allowed us to do their ropes course which is pretty dope so you know it was, it was climbing <laughs> zip lining um walking on like um like planks like it was high um, we had a, everyone was latched in individually. It was pretty dope. Like I, I enjoyed it. I did it. Um, yeah, it was pretty badass. You can't, you can't be scared, man. You got to just lock in and just do it. 
Oh yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the video that you have. Whoa, that is freaking high. Like I love stuff like this. Yeah. God, I'm, I'm scared I, of heights. I, <laughs> I know someone got a, a video of me ziplining down and um, doing the big swing. So that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't have those videos yet, but it was it was pretty dope. Like I didn't think I would enjoy myself because I'm not really an outdoors person when it comes to like wilderness, but doing this type of thing, like I I enjoy like climbing and active like that so that actually kind of like made it really good for me today damn yeah it's, it's just great to be out there in the fresh air and you know experiencing just nature and everything but also you know trying something new and it, it feels good and i used to love that stuff uh nearby park had zip lines stuff as a kid and back then in, in the 90s it was like yeah, right. you have a ten foot drop. Don't worry about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, that, and that's what it was. Like I know, because I was the first one to go but to do it today. Like out of our group, so like I mean, just it was cool. And you know, we talked about how it ties into Star Wars a little bit. Maybe like yeah, it's it's a lot of like you know strength, physical strength, mental strength. Um, you know, being like just locked in and focused. You know, being mindful of where you're stepping. Um, you know that type of stuff. So it was cool, man. Like I mean, it, it'd be something that I guess Luke. Would have used on Dagobah to train. Exactly. So I had to get that in there because I seen that right before we we recorded. So look at that. You had something to say and you didn't even know about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, in, in the moment, I wasn't thinking about Star Wars. I was thinking about milk and make sure you don't fall. Make sure, you your, make sure you have your grip. You know, you got to focus, man. You know, like it was. But it was fun. I mean, it was definitely something I would do again. You know, I, I would definitely do the climbing. Um, course whenever that's open next time we go yeah oh man yeah i always wanted to do something like ninja warrior or something like that because I, I love climbing and jumping and leaping and all those sorts of things so one of these days one of these days um we'll open up the luke skywalker training academy or something i don't know um, here we go hi <laughs> I, I i have um as i referenced earlier ben i have something for all of us to look at i'll do my best to explain what it looks like because I know not every one of us uh, that watches so can listen to us on any podcast platform of their choice. Um, and we'll go over that in a second. But first, I got to show off a cool action figure. Um, so this is uh, from the Mandalorian Black Series line. I got myself a Dark Trooper. And it's the deluxe version. So it's a little bit bigger of a box. I stopped at my local uh, Target. And funny enough, this was the, the same one I was eyeing at Comic-Con. And I was like, I can get a better price. I was like, I'm not paying 35 for this at Comic-Con. I, I can get a better price, which is funny because usually at Comic-Con is where you're going to get the cheaper stuff anyway. But I just was looking for a bargain, as I often do now. And uh, I, I saved a big $2, a big $2. I saved up <laughs> from buying at the Target instead of at the stand there at the Midtown Comics booth and Comic-Con. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, technically, I, I think he's, like, the first, like, Legends character that's now canon to be in Black Series form. I try to justify, like, oh, I'm buying this for a very specific reason. Like, Cobb Vanth was, like, I had to buy him because he was the first novel character to be in a Black Series uh, figure form and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, I, I always like to look at Dark Troopers. I don't know where I'm going to display them. I still got to keep telling myself I got to, like buy a big another storage bin put my stuff that's on display in that storage bin and then put all the new stuff out um but that just requires a lot of effort and uh <laughs> you know it does look nice in a box and apparently apparently they're redoing the hasbro packaging they're trying to be um you know 
eco-friendly now. They're not going to have a plastic window. It's going to be really weird walking into a store and just seeing a a, a box and, and you don't know what's inside the box, you know. Because sometimes, like, like Hasbro's done a really good job lately with, like, faces. They have, like, the, the realistic, like, face paint, whatever thing they call now, the application. Um, but every once in a while, you'll get, like, a dud. You know, and you, at least you could tell from the plastic window, like, ah, that figure sucks. What about the one behind it? Oh, yeah, one looks a little bit better. Um, so for quality nope. control-wise, it's going to kind of suck having to go for, like, a mystery box sort of thing. And there will be no reason to keep things in boxes anymore. I'll just open them all up, I guess, at this point, because who cares about the outside of what a box looks like? But anyway, so, yeah. Um, and I, it does kind of grind my gears a little bit that Hasbro is putting out so many of these deluxe figures where it's like, oh, they include like two accessories and they jump the price by about 10 bucks and they make the bigger box because of it. It's like, really? Like, it did that? It did that with Cobb Banth that I had to do it at the Dark Trooper. It's like, where can I buy the figures that used to be 18 bucks, you know? So that's me ranting on about Hasbro, as often happens in Gonzo probably agrees with me which is why he's gone down to the the vintage collection i don't know if he's listening tonight but <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i mean you know you know how it is with like companies like it's like scaling things back and scaling them down and um yeah i mean like you said uh i feel like part of the fun of like looking at some of those things is just like actually seeing them versus just like a picture on the box you know um and then, of course, like you said, just seeing, like, the quality of the of the figures and whatnot. I mean, heck, some of them, it's just funny to see, uh, you know, a lot of times the figures look really similar. But other times, like, you know, there's been some bad face scans in the past for oh, some yeah. figures where po you know, they don't look good. Yeah, Poe. Um, I remember, um, remember Ewan even pointed out his Kenobi figure didn't look like himself. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, you have different... Um, things like that it's just it's just funny to see and then it's like now it's like man you can't even actually see the figure before you purchase it yeah um, just interesting yeah so at least the vintage which are the 3.3 quarter inch figures are still going to be because that's their whole appeal is is those vintage figures that you have them on the nice card back like i don't think most people open those up because they just look like really cool from a direct uh, collector standpoint um Right, so I think most of the kids like to play with the bigger Black Series figures and take them out of the box. But yeah, we have it off the top from Aaron Daly, a loyal listener and viewer of the channel. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Harrison Ford joining the MCU? So that's damn near confirmed. I think Variety put that report out. But yeah, guys, I was flipping out. I, I messaged you about it, I think, in the chat. I was like, oh my god, did you guys see Harrison Ford joining the MCU? Like, this is insane. He's he's playing Thunderbolt Ross, apparently, because that actor, I forget his name, passed away. I think there's, there's some people that have a morbid opinion on this thing already. They're like, why are you going to hire Ford? He's only going to live for another five years. Which is sad to say. Like, don't think about it that way. I know he's 80. He's up in his age. But but try not to think like that, people. He's going to be with us until he's 110 years old. I'm telling you. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on... I know this is technically Star Wars in a way. We're going to see Han Solo in the MCU. What are your thoughts? I'll throw it to you, Milton. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, first of all, I never really cared about the Thunderbolt Ross character, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, he, he played a purpose in the movies. Like, he definitely helped push the narrative, whether it's with Hulk, Captain America, and then, obviously, um, Black Widow. 
I mean, as, as long as Harrison Ford can come in and, you know, I can believe that that's Thunderbolt Ross, fine. I got no issues with the recast. I guess my only problem would be this comes back to, you know, another actor that, that left us is T'Challa, um, you know, Chadwick Boseman. Why couldn't we recast him? Yeah. If, if, if it served the best purpose of, for the story. Now, again, that I, that's another podcast for another day. It is what it is. It's, it's just, to me, it's goofy. It's weird. It's very hypocritical, I think, from, on Disney's part. Or, or oh, yeah. They've come out and said to be respectful if we didn't recast. It's like, I disagree. No, But, hey, it is what it is. If it serves their story, right, it is what it is. I love Harrison Ford as an actor. You know, I'm sure he'll kill it. Mm-hmm. What happens if their plan all along was to kill off T'Challa in the second movie? If, Wouldn't if that that's be crazy? The case, if that's the case, then fine. But I don't believe it just because <laughs> that's the then that's yeah. backtrack. Because like you're you're not going to convince me that you're going to kill off a heavy hitter in the MCU. Like he, to me, before he passed, I was thinking that he was going to be the the, the next like not Tony Stark, but he's going to be that Tony Stark ish well, like of well, the finances of, of the, uh, the Oh, okay. The leadership. The leadership. You no, know, because, because to me, Black Panther is an alpha. He's not a B type. He don't step to nobody. Like hell, he he was gonna wreck Captain America and Bucky. I mean, mm -hmm. and he probably gonna yep. wreck Iron Man if he wanted to. So I don't see him at the time before he passed. God rest his soul. I don't see Chadwick Boseman's characters being uh, taking a step back. Anybody. He's like, okay, you know, I'm the guy. Because hell, they kind of proved that the end of uh civil war whenever cap goes to him and says hey can you take care of my boy he's like all right i got you he's like but they're gonna be coming looking for you here you know what i'm saying so and he's like oh no we'll be ready so cap so black panther to me was like all right we'll take on anybody ain't I, we ain't scared of nobody and mm -hmm. wakanda was is the greatest nation in the country or in the world they, they've clearly shown that so to me i would have thought that they would have made him like kind of like one of the co-leaders the Avengers moving forward if you would have stayed alive. Mm. Well, well, Milton, um, you know, I'll, I'll get to the Harrison Ford thing in a second, but I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Like, for me, um, especially after Tony Stark died, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, but especially after he died, I was I was fully on board, like, Black Panther was my new favorite character moving ahead in Marvel, you know, because it's like, his character, like you said, he's badass, he's smart, he's you know all the all those things, and like to me, like I I would have just loved to seen him recasted because he was an awesome character. Like like right. I think Chadwick Boseman, you know Boseman of course did a great job playing him, but like he made the character so believable. Like you believe, you know, what I mean, you believe that was Black Panther. Like not you know because like for example, sometimes like you see a Dwayne Johnson movie and you think just The Rock versus like <laughs> I feel like I feel like with Black Panther, you know it you just saw him versus, like, just Chadwick Boseman. Like, he killed it. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I agree with you on that. Like, I wish they would have um, looked into that more. Um, and then, as for the Harrison Ford stuff, yeah, I mean, he's believable, good. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, I don't think, as well, that he's going to be, like, a continuing role. If you know what I mean, like, he's not going to be... We're not going to see him in seven movies. Like, I bet you... Mm -hmm max maybe two movies at the very max but i would say maybe just one movie um hey, but yeah it, I, yeah, it I think it'll be sense. exciting seeing him yeah i mean i i, I don't 
I forget who this character even is. I have to. I, I watch every MCU thing that comes out, and I he's, don't. Here's the thing. He, he's what's his name's dad. He's uh, Betty Ross's pop. Um, oh, oh, well. Okay, I have to see. I I have watched that movie one time about ten years ago. I I like barely so he, he don't chasing, remember that. <laughs> yeah, he was chasing down Hulk, you know, because old boy was dating a girl, and then he comes back in Civil War as like now Secretary of the State. Is that the guy that's pushing for the contract for people to sign? Yes. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. And and then he was chasing Black Widow. In what in what movie in the Black was he Widow chasing? Movie. He was Black Widow. Yeah, because remember, like in the first like five to ten minutes, it picks up right after at, at the end of Civil War where she's oh. Like, run. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like they find her in like that like some building, and they're doing the intercom. He's like, you know, we're roaming off. Like we found you, blah blah blah. She's oh like, yeah. Didn't like I'm gonna wreck you. And that's when he comes in because he had like another like heart attack. She says like, oh, you look like shit, pretty much. So oh. he has another heart attack. He's like, whatever. I mean, yeah, he was he's in that movie for like five minutes. Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. But yeah. I, I mean, not knowing much about that character, but knowing the role he would kind of inhabit, inhabit is just like this old gruff war guy. Like that. That's such a Harrison Ford like type right there. Like that. I could mm -hmm. see him fitting so well into that like gruff, rough and tough guy. It's gonna eventually turn into Red Hulk, right? He turns into Red Hulk. I think so. I'm not 100 sure. I don't really know that. I believe. I believe I've seen he turns into Red Hawk. I've seen images of people like photoshopping like what he would look like as Red Hawk, and it makes perfect <laughs> sense because he doesn't have to do any physical acting or physical acting at least because he just gets get CGI'd anyway. So <laughs> it works out. It's not like he's playing a secret agent. He's got to move around and all this stuff. He just hulks out and that's it. So I think it could work. But we'll see how long, let's say, we'll see how long it goes. Because he's like 80 years old now. So it's, we're working with the, with the clock here a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is time to get into our, our business um, here on the show. Um, our housekeeping, our housekeeping, I don't want to say business. Uh, for those of you that are listening, it's late, everybody. For those of you that are listening, you can watch us live on YouTube every Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern on the channel youtube.com slash starraptor. As I said off the top, you can also listen to us via MP3, via anywhere you can download podcasts. Just search Outer Rim Transmission. This week, we had just one new release, and that was with Darth Vader issue number 28, and that is when Sabe is actually brought to the Emperor himself on Coruscant. Yeah, it, it's very far-fetched for those of you that aren't like up to speed on Darth Vader. Apparently, Sabe has come into the picture. Yes, that's the identical handmaiden to Padme back in Episode 1, Phantom Menace. So we have this whole pairing, um, and she's basically getting under the skin of Vader, and it turns out that she's part of the Empire as an officer now, and he's promoted. So it's a whole big thing now. Um, but we're we're getting closer to the events of the Hidden Empire storyline here. Um, so we're going to see how that goes. Um, lots of new comics coming out in November, so looking forward to that. But here we're going to get into earnest for our main discussion topic of the evening. That is, of course, our breakdown for Andor Episode 7 titled um, Announcement. And we are focusing on this. Last week, we, we could only cut our conversation a little bit shorter since we were talking about Comic-Con and two episodes. But we're going to go into a real deep dive 
this week because I have quite a bit of notes and I'm going to run through. Just basically, this episode for me was a good turning point for the series. We deal with the aftermath of what happens in Aldani, the big rebel heist of 80 million credits from the coffers and everything of the people who are over there in the empire of that sector. So we get to see from a top-level view what's happening What's happening with the Empire? What's happening with the ISB cracking down? We get to see the effects of, even in episode 3 of the series, what happened on Ferrix with all of the Imperial support there. We get to see what's going on with Kirill and his mother. We get to see what's going on with Cassian at a resort now, spending his cash like he doesn't care. There's so many storylines, and of course, how can I forget to mention, or not mention, the Mon Mothma storyline with Perrin, and now this new... Um, this new guy from Chandrilla named Tay, or one of our previous friends. So we have so much to get into, but I'll say off the top, again, another episode that has basically no action. But for me, I think there was so much momentum in this episode, even going into the spycraft with, I think her name's like Clea or Kia and Vel over there on Coruscant, just like kind of going through this, this area and, and doing the spycraft stuff like Everything was so well done. You could you could just feel the 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 edge of everything happening. Like everybody's on edge, everybody's eager because especially if you're on the rebel side of things, you are on the brink of a new movement, but you're also on the brink of being discovered at the same time. So there's all this tension that has been building up and we're really feeling its effect. So overall, fantastic episode. I'm going to throw this over to Ben. I know we were talking. I know you might have a uh, similar um, kind of uh, feelings that I did in this episode, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for our listeners, like this week, uh, to put context on on the whole uh, my whole opinion on the show, you know, I've been pretty neutral to kind of iffy on it. And you know, Chris, you were like in our group chat, you're like, "Wow, you actually like the show now." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I do. I, I like the show. I like this episode a lot. I thought it was by far the best episode of the series. Um, and that's just because of like everything that you mentioned, like, you know, the different character moments, um, whether it be Cassian doing his thing, the stuff with Mon Mothma, stuff with the empire. Like, I feel like it was all done really well. Um, the way the episode ended was done was, um, was really interesting because it opened up a lot of new potential storylines for all of our characters. Um, and overall, I just think the episode was so good and I think this series would have been a lot better so far um, on some of the slower earlier episodes. Like this episode, as you mentioned, it doesn't really have action in it. But I think the editing was done so well that, you know, the scenes were cut shorter. We didn't linger on one scene for like way too long and like sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. Instead, we actually, you know, like, um, you know, kept it going like. Like not fat, not really fast, but you know the pace was kept to a certain extent throughout the whole episode, where you know you just weren't sitting on a scene. You know, you know. I think we mentioned it um, last week, Milton. Like when you, you know, when you're watching a a scene, I think you had brought it up. You're like, all right, you were looking down at your phone or whatever, you know, during parts of some of the episodes. And I feel like this episode really didn't have that because the scenes were so not short but they were concise and to the point and i think that's what really made me enjoy this episode so much and also of course 
you know, like you mentioned, um, Chris, it's like the turning, like the turning point and implications leading into the final, I guess, five episodes it would be. Um, mm -hmm. So like, you know, that's a, that's a really big thing, I would say. Yeah, Ben, um, not Ben, you just said everything. <laughs> Millen, what are your thoughts on this episode? First impressions as we get into our lengthy discussion here. Uh, yeah, I actually like this episode. I, I said it to myself, because I actually watched it about two, two hours ago. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't watch them early in the morning because I'm just so caught up with other stuff, but I tend to get to it usually before this, the, uh, the show. But um, I enjoy this episode. Um, and I think this is probably, like I said, episode th three, yep. six were my favorite thus far. This is on my list too. Um, and I think this is probably second in my book just because how it how it did a good job leading off of six. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think my gripe for the show was early on was that we had so, so many slow episodes. And it was so up and down and the pacing was kind of trash in my opinion. Um, what we got at that heist episode, how now this is the payoff episode leading into the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Perfect transition. Because now we're seeing the fallout of, okay, the, the, the heist, who's it affecting, how is it affecting these people, and what's the consequences stemming from it. And then obviously that could all lead to how this season is going to end. I love this episode. I didn't have mm. a bad moment. Well, actually, no, I'll take that back. Again, I am super annoyed with that character that doesn't do anything. Um, that guy, Carl, Sarah, uh, Carl. He, he doesn't do anything. Or like, Cyril. I, get him Curl. out the show. I literally get him out the show. Like that's the only thing that's <laughs> negative because he does nothing for me. Literally, like he gets up, looks at the monitor. Wait, yeah. What happened? <laughs> what What happened? I'm like, dude. <laughs> come on, blaming the actor. It's Martin, like, I mean, you you could get paid to do that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like that's all he gets. He looks. What happened? And then I feel, like, I feel like the mother knew. The mother knew before he did. She's like, oh, yeah, there was like a heist. Like, yep. How do you not know about this? Like, it's on the internet, bro. Like, it's on their 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 version of Fox News or CNN. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that character crashed. That's the only thing about this episode I did not like. Get him out of the show. But other than that, this episode was pretty damn good. I liked it a lot. I loved how the scenes were to the point. They weren't playing around. You felt the tension. You felt the consequences of last episode and this episode. Yeah. Because people, people were now like, like the I, was it IAB or IBA? Like, ISB. They, ISB. ISB. They are on notice now. They're like, okay, some shit is going down and something's happening. And clearly, Deborah, uh, what was it? Her first name is Deborah, the, uh, the, the supervisor. She, they, oh, she was right. Like they're mm -hmm. finally understanding, oh, this chick knows something. And I love how her character is being paid off now because, like, oh, they got to pay attention to her. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that was some of the best stuff. I, I, during oh, that yeah. scene, Milton, I, I actually thought of you. Yeah, during that scene, I literally thought of you. I was like, man, I bet Milton's going to like this specific scene a lot because you have some, like, backstabbing, imperial, conniving stuff yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, and, and I, will, I will say how they wrote this. They write the Empire stuff probably the strongest of the show in my opinion. Like the, the the Imperial stuff with the with the ISB is pretty damn badass and it's strong. That's the strongest part of the show and it and I can clearly see how it's now paying off with the conflict and the, like you know I'm thinking okay this is what it needs to be like I'm I'm cool with this. So yeah. I'm hopeful the last five episodes 
get more of this type of storytelling and writing and pacing. So what we know so far, and I don't know where this came out of, um, some credible source that I forget, but we're going to have another three-episode arc, if you will, like we've had before, episodes one through three and four through six, and we're going to get a du a duality finale, like a part one, part two sort of thing for the last two episodes. For That'll make up the last five episodes. So, yeah, we got a lot to look forward to. Let's kind of go from the beginning, and um, yeah, I know you're not too too keen on this moment, as you just explained, Milton, but the whole stuff with Cyril Karn, and yeah, I, I'll admit, I was like, okay, man, have they had too many scenes of him opening up the episode with him looking looking at the wall <laughs> with the window, because it's, he loves those action figures, he's kind of like me, he's got, he's got his phase one clone troopers there on the shelf. <laughs> and he's just staring at his figures and he's he's looking sad but like uh, you know I, yeah I, i'm kind of there with you a little bit like okay let's but we do get we do get at least a little bit more of a story in this episode um but yeah with his mother constantly berating him asking mm -hmm. him about his, his suit the brown suit with the collar oh you adjust that oh i had it tailored so he, this guy just loves being his best at all aspects of it and Everything with the, with the Hollow Net was kind of cool. That's what's so nice about this episode, is we've never gotten this in Star Wars before, where we see like we never got to see that with like um, what happened with the Death Star. Like we didn't go in Empire Strikes Back and like have a guy turn on like the Hollow Net news and being like, "Hey, look at the Rebels have destroyed the Death." Star. Like we've never seen this vantage point of the everyday people getting their news to them through the galaxy, and it's something that I, I you know I've read about in the books. Plenty in the comics, but to see it on the live action is really exciting. So it, again, it can, this this episode with Tony Gilroy did here and the team was just to connect all the storylines around like one flashpoint moment, and we're getting it right in the beginning of the episode from just like the 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 people just living in there, the middle class people living on Coruscant, you know. Um, but what did you think about all that aspect of it, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I mean to be real, I think his mom's more of an interesting character than him. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess like, 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 like you mentioned, like with me, I think the main valuable parts of seeing like characters like him and his mom, like those type of scenes, are it kind of um, not tangibilizes, like you know, it gives us like an actual idea of, like, all right, what does, like, inside someone's house, like, watching the news look like, like, you know, the everyday person, like, it gives us that aspect, so it's, like, world building. Um, so, you know, I think, I think those are the main value points that come out of scenes like that, where it's, like, you know, it's world building, because, yeah, I kind of, like, perked up, too, like, when they turned on the news and you heard, like, the newscast thing, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting, like, seeing that actually in Star Wars, so, like, that was my, like, big takeaway from it was, you know, it was really just a really nice piece of world building more than actually what the scene meant, like, for the story, you know? Yeah, and then, Milton, what'd you think about just the working conditions of, like, the everyday middle middle class kind of people, whatever you want to call them, that are working in, like, their nine-to-five jobs, they're, they're all in this uniform kind of uh, procedural kind of thing with the computers like it was like kind of sad i was like wow this is this looks really in engaging <laughs> whatever they're doing counting numbers all day of, across the computer screen very mundane activity but you get to see cyril karn like 
And this is where I, I had I had thoughts that he'd be for the rebels, but anymore I think he's just going to be an imperial extremist because or whatever, just an extremist toward Andor. He doesn't have to be part of the Empire to still want to kill him because he just goes off a little bit with too much information when it comes to this guy that's trying to interview him. He just goes off. Like, when he invites him to ask him about Morlana 1, he just starts going on about, ah, I was trying to get him, and he got away, and he killed... I love how the guy's reaction was just like, and we're going to wipe that off the record, and here's your spot right here. That's just like... I I don't know. This Well, to to answer your question about the working conditions, to me, it was... um, it, it kind of had like that THX yes you know, feel to it, you know, of like how it's just very like just everyone's the same, you know, it's there's really no no individual individuality. Mm-hmm. There's just like, hey, you know what, you punch in, you punch out, you do your job, you get out of there, you know. Yeah. There's, there's really no time for personality, there's no time for 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 color. And you notice the color palette. Oh yeah. It's very much it's very much like that, that imperial black, gray, and white. Know, and yeah, I'm sure there's probably some color within there, but you don't really see it. That's on purpose because the Empire is, they, they got rid of the Old Republic. The Old Republic was colorful. You know, the, the color palette of Coruscant's different because oh, it's the yeah. Empire. You know, so I, I liked how it looked. It made sense to me. Uh, again, but when it comes to this character, anytime he's on screen, I'm just not interested. I'm like, bro, just get off. Get out the show. <laughs> I'm saying, I, I would tell Tony Gilroy to his face right now. I'm like, this character's trash. Please tell me there's a payoff with this. <laughs> no, I mean, what if we get to the hey? What if we get to the season finale just to, just to appease your uh, likeness of this character? We get to the season finale. All this action happens with Castine and everybody, and the final scene is him just like staring into the camera for a minute. Then I'm not watching season two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you, you wasting my time for this. <laughs> that's a lie. That's a lie. I'll watch season two, but what I'm saying, I'd be mad. Like you, y'all would hear about it. I'm like, this is this is retarded. I'm like, why? Are we well, well, I mean, I, I mean, to be real though about that character, like you do bring up a really good point. Like, like honestly, um, even from like your positive points with him, Chris, I really do feel like his character specifically, we haven't got a clear story just yet of where he's going. Like it's just like scene after scene. Yeah, there's no motivation to pull well, us there, in. Like, there, why, should, why should we be interested? No, there's plenty of motivation. The last episode, he looked at Cassianor's hologram. This episode, he's talking about Cassian. So we know he's after him. Like, we know he wants to... Like, but, in the he, but, but here's the thing, though. They, they don't make that clear. I mean, yeah. They, it's they very nuanced. It's very really, nuanced. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's why I'm just like, I'm not feeling it. Because I'm thinking, no, you need to make it obvious. Because clearly, everyone else's agenda is obvious in the show. I think, so, so like, yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, because either he must be a special character that we that we've heard of that we just they're just not revealing who he is yet, or they're just like, no, we're we're going to do pretty much like a, a M Night Shyamalan and just like try try to fool you a little bit. As I'm like, no, treat me like I'm three. Tell me what the hell's going on because I do not want to guess with him because he's not interesting enough to guess. I think you, you don't. Yeah, you don't always have to show. No, in storytelling, you can you can imply it, and people tend to get that if you imply it and do it correctly. In this case, you got to show me and tell me what he's doing with him because he there's nothing I can get. He's just mad because he got fired because he's he's a hardcore extremist rule follower. Yes, I get that component. He wants to get his record expunged. However, what else is he going to do? How does he add to? 
Cassian's story or the rebellion story. I'm not seeing that. I think he's the I think he's the inverse of Cassian. I think that's basically why they're spending so much time. We're going to eventually see them conflict cuz I mean that was the whole thing. Like he got beaten down and humiliated by Cassian. He got remember he got like tied up or whatever. And now at the end of this episode they end the episode with this character specifically. They're showing him in like the doldrum of his daily routine and they're showing him like look at the ceiling like I think that's it. I think that this is his breaking point between going home, having to deal with his mother, yelling at him all the time, then go to this job where he just doesn't want to be there. I think this is the next episode, and here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to talk about the Imperial stuff in detail right now. The last point on this is Dedra Mira. I think now she has the power to, to research more of what's happened on Ferris. She's going to contact him, and that's how he's going to get involved. She's The next episode, those two are going to meet. And she's going to have him by uh, her side to know everything about Cassian. And he's somehow going to get go along on the adventure to hunt him down. And that's that's where we're going to go there. So let's get into the Imperials. Um, because this was freaking amazing, um, what was happening there. Right from the get-go, you hear this narration. You see Deirdre getting ready. There's a big call to arms. We see in the last episode, everyone was called to this office and wouldn't you know it, I know, Milton, you asked about it before, but some good old uh, Imperial Clone Wars uh, veteran there, none other than uh, Admiral Yularen shows up on the scene, and he is just swinging down the hammer and saying, we got to tighten our grip on the galaxy. I've heard from the Emperor himself. Milton, I want to go to you on this one, because I haven't heard your reaction. What was your reaction to Yularen? Let's let's go, bro. Like we we, <laughs> we saw how he was in Clone Wars. All right, he no, was this, this this same actor or no? No, no, no. Unfortunately, okay. Tom Kane that voiced him. Um, Kane, yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew I knew the voice didn't seem right, but I'm thinking okay because I realized it was him. Like no, this they did a good job of portraying the character because he mm. was a hard ass as a you know a uh, 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 Republic you know admiral whatever he was, and he was very much like a rule follower and all about like you know structure and everything and when he name dropped palpatine he's like yeah i spoke to the pal i spoke yeah. to palpatine directly yesterday or something like that and i was like I okay like 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 you, you got that type of access <laughs> hey, that's what's up you know but that's dope but that tells you something though about that character because not many people think about it oh, yeah. not many people have access to palpatine or nope. Vader. there's maybe five people lauren uh, Mate, not Krennic. Uh, Tarkin. Tarkin. Masameda, um, the uh, Grand Vizier. Masameda, uh, Vader, obviously, and then the ball-headed chick. Oh, Slymore. Yeah, that's it. It's probably five mm -hmm. people tops. You know, so like, for, for this guy to sit there and be like, "Hey, I spoke to the Emperor directly. This is what he's going on. He's giving us all the resources we need to take the lead on this, and we're going to wreck shop." I love that scene because I love seeing him. I love how they're saying, "Listen, we're not playing around no more." We know this is a legit threat. We got to lock shit down, and I love it. Um, that was this was my favorite scene in the whole show, well, in mm -hmm. the whole episode. Mm -hmm. I love, I love, I love the scheming, the backstabbing. I love that that secretary, the female secretary or supervisor. She uh, is starting to get some some credibility now. Like she's right the whole time, and I love that how that guy got the egg on his face. Uh. And I just think that scene was great, and the best part about that scene was the when it cut to the next scene with their superior he's like 
oh, you we need blah, 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 blah. And the guy's like, yeah, she got the records unauthorized. Remember, you berated her. He's like, hmm. And then he like pretty much chastises him and say, nah, <laughs> she was right. Follow me. I know what you're trying to do. Watch your back. But you're on the right track. Loved it. Loved it. Because that's strong storytelling. It, it just makes sense how from episode one to now, how everything played out led up to something and now we're like, okay this is a player now in this show well what's so brilliant is how all these storylines are connecting so directly even though they're at opposite sides with opposite characters that haven't even met yet what andor has done is somehow messed with her career to actually plummet her up upward and the fact that they deregulate they had all like and it was funny because the same major pendergast who's played by the same guy that did meister kyburn in game of thrones that guy set up these sector lines and everybody had to stay in their jurisdiction. And well, guess what? The rebels took advantage of that. They would they would hit one sector, then they would hit another sector, knowing that the Imperials couldn't really investigate and put two and two together because they were so individualized. But then she takes that information and says, Okay, um, this guy literally gave me all the power. You Lauren gave me all the power. I'm gonna just get the information finally. I've I've had a lucky day. She's very opportunistic which I like because a lot of Imperials are like that, but she didn't really break any rules. Like she just stayed in her lane and just thought outside the box. And then even Pendergast is like, yeah, this, the sector ideas, eh, they don't even really work anywhere. Anyway, you're right. Like she just had the gall and the boldness to stand in front of like her leaders and everything. And just like basically called like her, her superiors ideas, like, like kind of outdated <laughs> in front of his face and everybody else's. Right. And he was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Okay, he can get off of this stage and then you can take his place. Like <laughs> Yeah, and what's and what's nice about that too, have you I mean you notice the dynamic of the show thus far. You notice there's rarely any women in the Empire. Have you guys noticed that? Yep. So, yep. especially in this particular organization. And for her to be that one woman step to a group of men especially the lead guy in her particular sector and say listen it's outdated however like respect the chain of command but i had to go you know and go around it to, to really say hey i'm this is i'm loyal to this i need to show you that you know you guys need to change her to do that like and as a woman love it and you know i think that that's a great that's a that, that's a great thing that they're showing in this show. Now, some people might say, oh, that's woke culture. It's like, no, look at the original trilogy. How many Imperial officers were women? Yeah. None, we barely no. saw it. It's, it's it's consistent all over the board. Look at the Republic. A lot of women senators, a lot of women, you know, in like politics or military Jedi, you know what I'm saying? Like shifted on purpose, you know, look at, you look at Nazi Germany, how many women were generals or, or, or uh, leaders or in politicians in, in nazi germany none barely i'm sure there's one or two but i'm sure there really wasn't many it's a reflection of that george lucas made the empire pretty much nazi germany yeah yeah ben oh yeah i mean i completely agree with like all of your guys's points like there's not even much more to make about it like you took all the words out of my mouth like i really <laughs> like for me ever since her character has been introduced especially um maybe it was the second episode whatever episode she was like you know it's too random to be a plan or whatever like that whole little speech she gave like her character has been easily one of the probably 
top two, top three most interesting characters for me anyways, for this whole series, just because it's like, you know, like to me, when it comes to the empire stuff, like, I'm not sure about you guys, but for me, like when any of the empire stuff is on screen, I'm like glued to the screen. You know, it's like, I want to know what's going on. I, I can't look at my phone. Like I'll look at my phone during all the, uh, the serial Karn stuff. Like, but, uh, but you know, when it comes to the empire stuff, I'm just glued to the screen. And a lot of that has to do with her, um, just because like the actress that's um, playing her is doing such a great job at it, and then uh, you know as you mentioned Milton like her, uh, you know in the Empire like there's not women really I mean in the original trilogy there's no female what? Imperials, um, so you know the fact that she's that high up able to even like I guess talk back without getting reprimanded like that or like ch you know challenge her superiors without getting reprimanded, um, you know like that's a that's a big, uh, a big, like I guess, sign of respect, etc. Because I mean, heck, even in, even in Rogue One, look at how Tarkin treated Krennic. Like he basically just said, eh, "You're screwed." Um, so like, yeah. So like, w the fact that they listened to this, uh, this woman, like that's that's cool. Um, and then of course, you know, as we all mentioned, like seeing Yolar, and that's 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 amazing. Like at first. You know, as as I mentioned in our group chat, I was like, "Man, is that Yular?" And I was like, "Oh wait, that is like." And it was just great seeing him, and like that type of stuff, you know, just brings up the whole thing of like cameos in Star Wars. Like, I feel like a lot of people will, uh, you know, I, I've seen some people like talk about this show, of course, compared to the Mandalorian or Boba Fett or Kenobi, and be like, "Oh, you know, it doesn't rely on cameos and fan service um, to like be good." But the thing is, to me, like, as long as a cameo or fan service works, that's not a bad thing. Like, fan service is bad if it's bad. But if it's good, you know, it's good. And, like, in this case, it was good. Like, like you know, if, you, if we want to get technical about it, like, why could have that not been Imperial Officer number 256 instead of Yularen? Like, you know, that's a nice little cameo, and it just fits the character and fits the time period, so it works well for the story. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, I like seeing cameos like that. And, um, you know, I feel like we'll, I feel like we'll see other little cameos like that sprinkled in potentially throughout this series as well. Maybe that we're not expecting, you know, in terms of, like the empire side, like maybe we'll see, um, what's his name? Guy from rebels. Um, Callus. like maybe we'll see him eventually. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. like I, I think there's, I think there's a chance we see potential characters like that just worked into the story versus like, you know, just random Imperial officers. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good because they, it makes sense when you have uh, a galactic level threat that happened, you're going to see your chain of command. And that's, what's nice about this. We get to see some of the lower officers in the ISB. We get to see major Pendergast, but we get to see actually his superior, which would be Colonel Yularen. And his next superior is the Emperor. So now we have this cool, like, chain of command uh, from the... And she even has a subordinate that is, like, her assistant that's helping her out. So we get to see that whole chain of command through the Empire, which is something that's pretty neat because uh, we're really taking a deep dive. And uh, because of consequences that happens, we're seeing uh, just how everything goes. But, um, yeah, let's and keep I, it. I love Yeah, that. go ahead. Yeah, what, yeah. Two things. One... Just want to clarify if anyone's going to say like that. That's not true about the women. There are more women in the empire. We just don't know about them. And exactly. I, I just know two. Either yeah. 
the like the the um the, the supervisor and an Iden Versio mm-hmm. um front. That's only two that I know that are significant imperial women that are actually doing something that are active. I'm sure there's more in Canada. There's more in Canada. But, yep. Yeah, like oh well, obviously Lost Stars. Um, Let me one see ship, the, the one pilot, or whatever. Like yeah, I mean they're in there. It's just you don't really see really see them. Even the girl from Rebels that gets blown up. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, 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 I forgot about that. But yeah, so there are women in the Empire, just not many of them. And my second point is well, you, Ben. Oh, I was going to say, I'll throw in there real quick for you, Milton. Um, I guess my point, when, when I said there was when I, when I said there was no like Imperial women, I guess I was implying the original trilogy movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, was, I, was, I was saying the same thing about, yeah, my point too. I was saying that about my point as well because. You know, some people like to say, ah, y'all ain't really being clear. I'm like, yes, we are. We're just trying to, like, clarify it. And my second point is, that subordinate, I swear to God, he looks like a Tarkin, like, clone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does. Is that, like, Tarkin's, like, son or something? Like, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but (laughs) that's what I see when I see him. But what I'm getting from Deirdre, Deirdre Mira is some strong Thrawn vibes. Like, this is the stuff that Thrawn was doing in that novel from 2017, where he is a lieutenant. And I mentioned this. I made a video about the timeline, the history of Wolof Ularan, like his entire history from Clone Wars. He's even quite a few pieces in the um, Thrawn books that Zahn uh, did back in 2017, 18, or whatever. But anyway, yeah, Thrawn would be, like, working in the confines, the parameters of the Empire. And yes, he would go outside the line sometimes to get justice, but it would end up being a success. So, like, her... And and the thing was, everybody was always against Thrawn because he was the only alien in the Empire. Um, Which is funny because, actually, in this episode, I don't know if you guys noticed, we see our first, like, alien Imperial that's doling out the justice behind Cassian Andor in that yeah. like justice scene i was like wait there's an alien in peril with like the veer's armor on like holy crap um but anyway usually there isn't any aliens in the empire and if there are everybody has such strong prejudice against them so i can almost see like the same thing happening i mean i don't know what people what the in-universe reaction to women of power being in the empire is but i, I could be kind of sure that these people are like looking down on her maybe a little bit being like yeah you know we can't have this maybe or something so she's like going against the grain and has more of an uphill battle maybe than the other people i mean why else haven't we seen a lot of female imperials right i mean you can look at the lore maybe and and see that i mean we have commander zara from the comics and she's like a a prodigy of wilhoff tarkin um so yeah i said wilhoff yularen i think i at some point no it's wolf yularen wolf yularen (laughs) but anyway um two leaders of the empire of course i get them confused um but yeah let's talk about more coruscant and you mentioned this milton i wanted to make sure i spent some time at least a little bit on time um we have the character and i did confirm her name clea she works for um the character of luthan rail and this scene, first off, has has a discussion between two characters that I had to do a double take because they're two characters that have a drastically different appearance when they're both talking to one another. You have Vel, that's all looks beautiful and everything. Now that she's in a civilized area, 
her hair is all down and everything. I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually the same character. And the same thing with Clea. We usually see her with her hair up and it's down. I'm like, wait, who is this character at first? You know, is this a new character? No, they just look way different in this um, circumstance. But anyway, um, I really love like the long drawn out scenes of Clea working, walking through the Empire um, because you see how much more empty it is. I guess a lot more people are like under curfew maybe or something where they're inside. But as Milton said, you could easily tell what era we are in. There's a lot less color, a lot less shininess. Everything is just stark white, basically. It's just imperial plainness, just walking through the place. And one thing I, I noticed, I don't know if it was intentional, but George Lucas back in the 2000s was trying to get a Star Wars underworld tv series off the ground and as we know it couldn't have the finances to pull it off back then his vision just couldn't catch up with technology or, or vice versa um but there was some un unused footage that circulated youtube about a year or two ago and man oh man if i don't know if they made this as a reference but there's a girl walking around in high heels around coruscant and I think this is the first time we actually see a woman in high heels in Star Wars. I don't know why I know that, but I just never seen like something like that. Anyway, so I was like, are they making a reference to that girl that was walking through Coruscant in the Star Wars underworld? Because we haven't seen Coruscant from this angle before. So I don't know about you guys, but I was like, hmm, is that an homage to something that never got off the ground, that, that other piece of Star Wars material that's on the shelf? They're like, let's make a nod to that, of this spy walking through, because it's almost like the same setup, except that one in our Underworld show was at night, this one's in broad daylight. So, um, But yeah, let's throw it to either of you. Uh, what was your thoughts on just like this cool like exploration of Star Wars Coruscant um, spy in broad daylight, like hiding in plain sight kind of thing? I like it. I mean, look, I always, I always like these scenes with Coruscant. I mean, Coruscant's my probably my favorite planet in Star Wars. Um, I, I love that they're they're really showing more of that planet in depth. Obviously, seeing this back alley meeting makes sense because it's just a formation of the rebellion. You know, this is what happens when you're trying to start a re uh, a revo resolution resolution revolution. And uh, what's that chick's name? Not Val. The other one that spoke. Um, that is clear. Like, clear. She says this. Like, this is how this is how things are done when you're trying to get you know things moving. When you try to get a rebellion moving, you know you have to kill some people. You got to sacrifice. You, know, you can't send messages open. You know like that. You got to be careful. Mm -hmm. So again, like like I've always said, the last was it four or five weeks been doing these reviews. They've made fear a character in this show. Every time someone talks about something about anything rebellion related or or or, uh, or making moves related, you can sense their significant fear. I think mm -hmm. Luthen speaks on it. He's like, we need that. It's like, we mm -hmm. need the fear or something to that nature. And it's like, yeah, I love it. So that scene was awesome. It made sense to me. Ben, what was your oh, yeah, reaction I, on seeing Coruscant? We'll just get into the Coruscant aesthetic because there's a lot more to talk about um, later on in the scene. But um just the ambiance, the feel of like just walking through. I'd even mention our first look at stormtroopers half more than halfway through the ep the, the season. We've finally seen stormtroopers. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was all um, done really well. Like you said, it really we really got the um, the vibe of like the imperial lockdown. I would say 
like that that was really nice just seeing like i mean we see it throughout this whole episode really of you know the more and more like building up of fear and building up of like the whole lockdown of like how the empire is basically slowly like just really really controlling the galaxy um so that was um a part i really liked and then of course like the visuals of it you know it's just nice getting to expand on a lot of these planets that we you know we we've been to before but we haven't really seen in depth because like you know in in um like say the prequel trilogy you have when we go and like visit coruscant we basically just see a couple locations we see the temple we see the bar uh in episode two we see you know we see like uh you know the speeder chase things like that but we don't see like the actual like say every day like just like walking around the city mm-hmm. type feel so like that's a really nice bonus i like to see um in a show like this just because you know in a movie you don't have time for exactly. a lot of like city explorations and things like that like i mean you know look at like um like a new hope with tatooine you know we go to moss Eisley and it, you know we cut basically right into the bar or them walking into the bar like, you know, versus, like, going and walking through the buildings to get to the bar, and blah, 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 like, you know, all those things. So, like, it's cool just getting, like, an exploration of Coruscant. Yeah, so let's get into the details of what they were talking about, because that was pretty tantalizing for me, is the fact that, you know, they're asking, like, Milton was bringing up about the communication, just the tension that they're all in, the pressure that they're all in, but the fact that we, this is a spy story at its core spy thriller as it was originally promoted and the people that cassian's working for think he's a loose end so now we have another faction that's after cassian andor so we got the empire now we got luthan's people but vel definitely seems like she's hesitant in that moment when clea says like you want to off him off him and she's like yeah you can't can't learn about luthan and that leads me to believe who is Luthen? Because this is another question that has been raised since like episode three or four when Cassian Furtz meets him. He asks Vel and she's like, no one, no one asked, no one answered that. No one had, like, what is this guy's big, like, what is his backstory? We know he owns a store. It's his facade, facade for his dealings with Mon Mothma. But what is he really like? Like, is that even his real name, Luthen Rail? Like, like, there's so much mystery around this guy, Milton. Do you have any ideas, or, or how'd you feel about about that whole discussion there? I mean, again, like I mentioned, it, it makes sense. Like, you know, everything they said was not out of order. Especially when it comes to trying to get rid of Cassie and Endor. I mean, look, they 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 used him. Mm-hmm. He did. We completed the job left now they say hey we have to clean up this this potential threat because he could open his mouth to, and again they don't know him like that so it makes sense that they would get rid of him and they use them for their own purpose um as for who luthan is you know I, honestly I don't, I don't know i haven't really had a, a thought about that i mean hopefully he's someone that's significant i mean he is significant in the show yeah but obviously i don't know if it's a character that we already know if that's his true and even nature um, but overall, like I said, I like the conversation. It made sense, and I'm hoping they have a really good payoff when it comes to Luthen's character development at the end. Yeah, because we even get that conversation with Andor and Bix in this episode, and that's her name, right? Bix? Oh. Uh. Yeah, and 
again, it comes up. It's like, he asks her, how do you know him? Oh, he just, he just gives me information. He goes, he knew everything about Morlana one already. He knew everything about what was going to happen there ahead of time. Like, where is this guy getting this information from? He's had to be involved with the Imperials somehow, or the Republic somehow, to have some backdoor access to some kind of things. I think there's a chance, actually, with his character that maybe he's not significant in terms of, like, oh, you know, this could be fill-in-the-blank big character. I think there's a chance that he is getting his info from Saul Guerrera and basically, you know, our main Rebels group, say, with Mon Mothma and Luthen and the other people involved, they're probably looking... They probably, you know, it's like getting your info from an extremist like why like we want to do this rebellion thing but we don't want to go to the extreme so i feel like there's a chance like the revelation the revelation type moment of the series may be like oh my gosh he's getting info from saul guerrera you know like that type of thing because you know at this point we're only a few years out from rogue one and obviously like saul's like on the like extremist side of things so i think there's a chance that he it might go in that direction, actually. Yeah, let's transfer over to another really good Coruscant scene. Again, was between Luthen Rail and Mon Mothma. She comes over unannounced. And it was this whole thing about, and we've heard this before about other, other fiction and different things, about when somebody gets in over their head. Like, Mon Mothma thought that, you know, fueling the rebellion would be like a little bit less violent, a little bit less noticeable. They'd have a win here, a win there, and nothing really big. But now the entire galaxy knows. Now everything's on, on, on fire here, basically. And she's not happy about it. And I love what Luthen Rail does. It's this like really cool metaphor that he's dealing with in a situation where he grabs the mace and he's like uh no one makes a weapon without intending to use it or something and he's like gonna give her like a weapon which would basically mean like we are going to be brutal at this like if they're brutal to us we'll be brutal back to them if people die that's what happens like that's very much Saul Guerrera talking you know so it'd be interesting like I don't know if Saul Guerrera is going to be like a contemporary, like a partner, or is Saul Guerrero technically going to be the leader of all this and the next step up from Luthen Rail, as you said, uh, Ben? But I really dug this conversation because they don't even go in the back room. Like that driver just standing there. If he's a lip reader, he could tell exactly what they're talking about. But they're they're just kind of speaking, and I just love Stellan Skarsgård's acting because at one moment he'll be like putting on this facade of this like wealthy guy that's selling like Plo Koon's mask and everything and some like uh, Gungan shields and the next moment he's like basically has the gravelly voice again just like back channeling Luthen again so I got an awesome vibe from this 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 interaction here because it just goes into that whole hiding in plain sight dealing and it comes up many times in this episode. Like they're on the, in, it's crazy. They're on the Imperial headquarters planet, and that's where the start of the rebellion is happening. Literally at the core, underneath the nose of the Emperor. Man, they don't they don't mind their surroundings, as Rachel Gould would say from Batman Begins. Um, when I when I say that, I mean the Empire. Um, but no, I think that was a dope scene. Um, I like Mon Mothma's character. She, clearly, see, she's not. Is she over her head? I don't 
I don't know, but you can you they make you think that she doesn't know what she's doing or she might be this would be too much for her. Really, I mm-hmm. think she's very much in control. I think she's just obviously seeing some things that she didn't foresee. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think that back and forth was perfect. Oh yeah, I I completely agree with you both. Like the back and forth, I thought was done really well. Of course, the acting between the two were great. Um, and yeah, just like hiding in plain sight under the Empire's nose, like that's that's always such a good trope. I feel like in just movies in general, movies, shows, etc. In general, because you know it's just like kind of like a not a funny thing, but you know what I mean. It's kind of like a funny little ha ha look. The that we're right here, right next to the bad guys, and they don't even know it, like that type of thing. So those type of tropes are always fun, I think. And um, and yeah, like Luthen, like you know, going back and forth on his personalities, like that's always great. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think it's done. You know, it's it's being done really well. And uh, yeah, I'm really interested though to see where his character goes because like we're we're kind of like, you know, stepping up the ladder of his character, like, you know, going from A to B to C to D, like, you know, we're moving up and up and up with, with his character. So, like, is the next step going to be introducing him with a Saul Guerrera? Or is it going to be something like him bouncing another idea off Mon Mothma being like, hey, let's do this. And she's like, no, we can't do that. And then he's like, all right, let me go and meet with the Saul Guerrera guy, you know, potentially type deal. Like, I think... We're going to get to a point, especially with the implications, say, with Mon Mothma's character, because, you know, whether she's, like, in over her head or just realizing, like, what could happen when it comes to, like, all of this, I think, you know, we're going to get to a point, something, something's got to push her more into this. So I feel like some type of point of action with, like, Luthen's character is going to potentially be that driver at this point, the way the story's going. Yeah, heck yeah. So, talking about more with Mon Mothma, we finally get the dinner scene. We finally get this really cool scene that's been teased to us for a couple episodes now. We've seen a lot of bits and pieces of it in the trailers. And this was another hiding in plain sight, amazing conversation. This actually might have been my favorite uh, segment of this show because there's of this episode at least because there's so much tension it was so much like a james bond movie for me like there's so many scenes in james bond where it's just like james bond like talking to the villain at like a, a big fancy gathering and they're like being very uh respectful of one another like yeah they're not gonna kill each other right there on the floor in front of all these people but they're they're making shots back at one another where in this case, she's making deals with one another. And you can see, like, Imperial people that are there. And we know we're supposed to be a special guest, which could be eventually, maybe we'll see, uh, you know, Vizier in, in the next episode, Masameda, or, or Sly Moore, too, or something like that. But it was interesting. You get to really, I feel like you learn so much about Mon Mothma in this, in this little segment here. I mean, you could already see, like, the the fact that, like, her husband is with, like, three different women in, like, that five minutes. And then she's, like, very much, like, hanging on to this guy that's, like, her, you know, her childhood friend or maybe lover at some point. And, like, obviously the marriage is not going well, as we've been saying over and over again. Like, they're just together, like, her and parent are just together for political pr- purposes. But, like, you know, you get a little bit of something from her in this point. But... 
for me, I just loved the going back and forth, and, and there was a lot of very kinetic because like they're moving from room to room, going back, and it's a very what I like the scenes about Andor. I've noticed a lot is there's a lot of things happening during conversations, whether it be they could be mundane as heck, like having a bowl of cereal, or it could be like Marva in in, in later on in the episode watering her plants as she's talking to Cassie and Andor about the rebellion. So like there's lots of things that keep us engaged as the viewers to like make conversations where you could have somebody just standing still even more interesting. Um, but yeah, I'll throw it over to Milton. What'd you think about this whole segment here? Mon Mothma is so hot, dude. She's <laughs> fire, bro. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, that, that's the first thing I took from, like, I mean, she looked fire at the whole show thus far, facts. Like, this particular scene, like, that dress she was wearing, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. I, like 10. I, I don't know. I just can't take my <laughs> eyes off the screen with her because, like, just how she carries herself. Yeah. And she's back dealing you know being kg whatever like he has like a, a a grace about her where i'm just like you know what if you want to plot against me that's totally fine like just, <laughs> she just does it she just does it in a matter in a matter that's like it's classy yet like like she's in control you can see some of that insecurity but she's good at like putting it off then she she'll she'll embrace it just to get i feel like she uses her her own fears insecurities as a weapon to show it like to her enemies huh. or to her allies say hey i need this from you but like really i'm in control the whole time i just need you to I need you to think that i'm like in a bad spot now she needs this guy to get access to her funds yeah i get that but i think honestly it's mon mothma she could have figured out another way if she really really had to i think this guy is going to play a pivotal role in obviously the formation of the rebellion and i can see him Essentially, be turning on her, uh, like loyalty for like something regarding the empire because they do talk about their ideals are different, or he might not, she might not like his ideals in politics because he, yeah. he he digs at her about how Coruscant has changed her. She's like, really, is that bad? He really wouldn't say, but he's like, we all change to adapt or something to that nature. Yeah, so she actually approached him and says like. I've gone over a couple options, but this is the mm. best one. So as you like, she's got a couple other plans in her back pocket, but yeah. it's like, okay, I can, I can kind of goad this guy. We used to, we used to, you know, be around each other qu- quite a lot and whatnot. But um, yeah, Ben, what was your whole thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much everything Milton said, of course, like um, Genevieve Riley looks great. Um, and then, like, the whole sequence, I thought, was done really well and almost like... I, I mean, I guess, like you mentioned, Chris, to, um, when you opened this part of the show, um, it felt kind of like a James Bondy-esque uh, sequence, for sure. Like, it, it did feel kind of like, say, um, in Casino Royale, like, you know, when James is sitting there talking across the table with the villain, like, that sort of yeah. stuff. Like, it felt like that type of tension, for sure. Um, so, you know, that's... That's definitely really, uh, uh, really nice. And then, uh, yeah, like the different aspects of it, like the potentials of the scene. Like, as soon as we got to that scene, and I realized it was, you know, this is what scene we were in. I was like glued to the screen because it was like, who could pop up? You know, yeah. like, any 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 Imperials are on the table to pop up. Like, I mean, I half expected to, you know, expect the Emperor to show up to something just because it's like 
the Emperor, that one, again, going back to my cameo and fan service thing, that would not be <laughs> a bad cameo or fan service at that point. I mean, it makes sense. It'd fit. Like, if it's all these high flutin senators and stuff, like, he would potentially be there. So, um, you know, just seeing the, uh, like, the gravitas of the scene like that, I thought was done really well. And then just, uh, yeah, like, the overall implications of, like, Mon Mothma potentially getting help or not getting help from this guy, like, depending on how um, his character, like, responds to all of this. And then... Um, I think more and more, the way they're the way they're going with the show, with all the hints of the emperor, I think we're going to see the emperor to one one degree or another at some point in this show. Just because it's like we keep getting hints about him, we keep getting hints about him, we keep getting like like foreshadowing. Like I feel like the way this scene was cut up, foreshadowing. Like it just seems like we're heading in that direction. We're going to get like. There has to be a payoff, you know. You you know what I'm saying, like, because we have so much, so, so many little Easter eggs of the Emperor, and there has to be a payoff of like a speech or something, you know. But, like, I don't yeah. think he's, I don't think he's gonna directly interact with Mon Mothma. Like, I mean, that would be interesting, but but I think it's gonna be more of a potential hologram speech or something we see at some point. But this show's doing it in a way. You know, we're just building and building versus, like, throwing it to us right away. Like, the payoff, if we see the Emperor, the payoff will be worth it, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. I think it's trending in a really good direction. And, like, this whole conversation, of course, like, sets things in motion more for Mon Mothma, as well as um, this senator. And, uh, of course, like, the other, other implications I just mentioned with, like, the Emperor or other potential cameos. Yeah, here, here's the thing about it. If it was any other show like Obi-Wan or Mando or something of that nature, I would say definitely. But the fact yep. that they mentioned the Emperor so many times, even with Yolarn, if it was a movie or if it was a show, we would have seen Yolarn talking to the Emperor. Like, that would have been like a quick, like, scene. Yolarn would be talking to the Emperor and yada, yada, yada. Yep. But I like this show's restraint and its nuance, in fact, that it doesn't rely on those things. Like, it just. It just mentions them. Same thing with um, well, we'll talk. Well, 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 Chris. That's why, like I mentioned, I think the payoff for it will be good. Like you know, we're not getting these emperor cutaways with Yularen, with Mon Mothma, with whoever, because I think we're gonna get an emperor moment in the show. Maybe talking to the Senate, talking to the galaxy. Like maybe, hey, maybe at the end of the show we get the emperor giving some type of a speech about this like rebel uprising or something. You know, true. Like, I think we're heading to a potential cameo, but like as you mentioned, they're doing it in a good way where they're, you know, the Emperor is still kind of looming over certain things, but we're not seeing him. Yeah. Um, we have another scene. We're going to get off of Coruscant now. We're going to go back yep. to Aldani. And I was happy about this because this episode has the most character scenes of any Andor episode yet. Everything's come together from the first three episodes, from the last previous four, uh, three episodes. We got to look at what's going on with Cinta and how she's surviving out there on Aldani. She got left behind. Um, and we see how quickly the Empire has latched down. They sent in a Star Destroyer. And just like how the TIE Fighters were a, a, a set of fear for these people. And, and it's the first time we've really got any sense of terror from the TIE Fighters and all the Star Wars saga. We get to see another fantastic overwhelming overhead shot of a Star Destroyer flying above with the TIE Fighter screeching. And the first time, I, I I don't know if we've mentioned it, but the music at this point, the music in general for this 
episode was freaking fantastic. Uh, Nicholas Patel um, absolutely killed it. He had this like great like little score at this point with like it, it just felt so imperial. Um, but it was cool again to check back with a with a character um, and to see her later on on that really cool speeder bike where she was like standing up like like snowboarding down the mountain except for the speeder bike was really freaking cool. Um, so there you go. It's just another ramification, another peek at okay, we're seeing from the high level of the Imperials. Now we're actually seeing, and we'll we'll get into with Andor as well, like getting to see what's happening with the small folk. What you know, what's going on there. So, getting um, any anything from that scene, anything you guys want to mention with that one? I mean, for me, not really. I honestly, I, I get why I was in it, and I know it, I, that was a beautiful shot of the Star Destroyer coming, but what did it really serve except for saying that it's just reiter it's reiterating that the empire is now like fully trying to lock down everything it that scene couldn't have didn't need to be in there but i, I don't know I, it's hard to debate it yeah i mean i i think it's kind of you know what like you mentioned chris it's like it's it's well shot um it's it's it, it re it does it re-emphasizes the point about like the empire locking down but it's just you know, just an, I feel like it's another scene thrown in. It's nothing like, you no. know, like you mentioned, yeah. Milton. It's kind of like it's it's just like an extra scene, I think. Well, here's the thing. Um, there's the character of Vel that was talking to Clea, and she was saying something about what happened with with Cinta. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like a, a plot, like a, a C plot going on where we're gonna somehow see them two link up. So they wanted to just show the viewer, like, hey, she's still alive. She's because oh, last yeah. time, last time we seen her, she was wearing imperial garb, and they had said, if you listen like really closely, and one of the backgrounds of the scenes, like they're like, oh yeah, the imperials on Aldani round wound it up like 114 people to get, interrogate the ISP is there. So then we check back and we we realize, okay, she did get away. She wasn't. She somehow got out of there because I'm sure that the Empire like heavily interrogated every imperial worker that was there. I mean, those parent that like that. Remember, we the um the family of that that guy that was the commandant seen her, you know. So they would have been like they were. We were infiltrated by Imperials. Like we gotta, you know, get interviews on every person that's worked here and figure out what the hell happened. And somehow, so we get to see at least this scene confirms she's living out on her own. She's gonna get the heck out of there. And um, yeah, I think we'll definitely see more of her, more of her and Vel. And maybe um, maybe Vel will go to Cinta and be like, hey, we have to find Andor. And then maybe they'll break him out of prison and I'm going to just keep speculating. But we'll get there eventually because, man, oh, man, there's, like I said, there's so much to talk about this episode. We're, we're like halfway through talking about it. Okay, maybe not that. Maybe not that little through. We have, we have a couple more scenes to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. But I do want to talk about the scenes on Ferrix between Bix and between Marva. And first off... A uh, clever use of PTSD flashbacks. I will start there because, as I mentioned with the nuances a few minutes ago, with oh yeah, they're 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 just leaving it up to the viewer with the Emperor's uh, dialogue between him and Yularen, and and that's you know assumed, and then this whole idea of like the Phase Two clones. You know, we get to see them, and we get to see a young Andor charging at them with a baton. So we just like have to use our imagination to see what happens there. Eventually, I'm guessing that's how he goes to prison. They probably just stun him and then send him off to Min Man as a cook or something like that. But 
yeah, but we'll start we'll start with the flashbacks. What was your guys' uh, take on those? The flashback it definitely tells more story of of uh, Cassie Cassie's relationship with his adopted father. I really enjoyed that. So yeah, I loved it. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think so far. Um, you know, flashbacks in the Disney Plus universe of Star Wars has they've done a pretty good job with it. I would say for the most part. Um, so you know, this is another another case of it. You know, it working out pretty well. And uh, yeah, I just I just thought it was uh, it was nice getting it just because we hadn't seen him or um, we hadn't you know seen like some of the um, backstory of it. So it was nice getting um, you know getting that part of the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so let's talk about Marva, that, that whole uh, interaction between Marva and Andor, because there's a lot to break down just with that interaction, because she's, first off, I, I, I like the fact that she literally says, you know, I, I love you and professes her love for her adopted son, because we go back to episode two, when we see her basically... In her eyes, her and Clem are thinking, oh, we're saving this kid because the Republic is going to find out these kids are here and they're going to kill them for whatever reason after they killed two Republic officers. They're going to think they're feral and they're going to just wipe them out. Whatever. Um, so that's her eyes. In her eyes, okay, we're actually saving you. We're not kidnapping you. So it's it's cool because it was a little bit blurry. I know some people were talking about it. It's like kind of like sketchy. It's like they basically like kidnapped this kid and then, like, raised him? Did they really love him? Like, what happened here? So, to get the acknowledgement, like, no, they saved him, and then they, she professes her love for her son, and all this kind of thing. Um, to see the tears, there was a really good performance by whatever actress. I, I, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but I have to commend the actress, because she's really doing awesome performances in this series so far. But, yeah, so I, I really like that whole aspect of just her, the tension there. And everything, she wants to um, basically stay there and, and fight a rebellion. Like, that, I wasn't expecting that. Her own rebellion, she's not connected to anybody, but she's had enough. And we get to see how the average day people are time and time again getting, you know, buried in the ground by these Imperials just constricting more and more around them. And they're looking at this as a call to arms. I mean, later on, we'll see Ezra... Ezra Bridger's call to arms literally as he's on like the hollow net or whatever, or the radio for the galaxy to hear, but already we're getting people to get the message to start rebelling. So Ben, what was your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a, um, a good point for her or a good moment for her character just because like, you know, like you said, the, the woman playing her has done a good job acting and, uh, you know, her whole moment, her talking about her own rebellion and this sort of stuff. I thought it was really good for, her character, um, of course, but also, you know, it kind of pushes Cassian's character along a little more to, you know, he's going to think back like, oh, you know, let, you know, he's going to think back to that moment, I feel like. So I think there'll be um, more like ramifications for Cassian later in the series um, because of that. But also there's, you know, probably potential ramifications for her as well. Like I could see, you know, her potentially getting like, taken out off-screen, you know, and we hear, Cassian hears about it. So, like, we hear about it through Cassian, and he's like, oh, man, you know, wish I could have done more type thing. You know, you know, you always see that with, like, heroes. Yeah. Um, they have to, like, have some type of, like, tragedy. Like, of course, Cassian's gone through things, 
but he I don't think he's like experienced um tragedy in the present day per se like there hasn't been a moment like sure of course he's dealt with the empire um on that last mission he had um but he hasn't dealt with like actual loss with like his best friend like the the girl and that guy at the beginning of the series the one um you know potentially like his stepmother like these sort of things he um he hasn't dealt with a loss of any of these characters and I feel like there's a good chance like this whole rebellion conversation is going to really tie into his character um, long term in this series. Yeah, Milton. Yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of those points. Um, to me, it was, it was just it was a strong. I think that was probably one of the strongest things about this episode regarding that relationship. Um, I think Cassian did a really good job at just, you know, obviously trying to express what he wanted to express, but then, you know, got the reciprocation from what, what's his mother's name again? Okay, so I got the acknowledgement of her. The actress's name is Fiona Shaw, and she's playing Marva. Yes. Marva, yes. And getting that acknowledgement from her about, you know, obviously wanting to fight her a good fight, but then, you know, seeing how it ties back, like, you can clearly see there's a bond there. Clearly, see that she mm -hmm. she doesn't want to she doesn't want to give up, you know her home. She she wants to fight for it, and you you got the sense that it, maybe it's me, but I felt that Marva probably threw a little shade, at Cassian during that scene. Do you guys agree with me at that point or no? Oh, one hundred percent. I think. Yeah, I think oh, she yeah. was throwing some shade at him about you know his actions the rebellion now being here and obviously she referenced Clem how she avoids a certain street mm -hmm. because of him being hanged or hung I guess it's a proper way to use that word of him when he was hung and I think how she expressed that there's a lot of pain but also saying like listen you're partly to blame now for why the empire isn't leaving now mm -hmm. they're not going oh, yeah. to show up occupy some stuff and then be out no they're staying so I just felt like this scene was well written, a lot of good emotions. You clearly see that, you know, Cassian. Like you now have to you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey, I did cause some of this," you know. And I don't think he's willing to do that right now. Yeah, another thing that I thought was profound that Marva mentioned was like, you could throw all the garrisons you want on Ferrix, but in my mind, I'm I myself am protected in my own mind, or something that matter. Like it was like. You could put all the walls around me, but uh, I'm still free in my mind. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I love that aspect of no matter what, like I don't have to move anywhere because this is my home and I won't be oppressed anymore no matter what. So I love the mentality and uh, the tenacity that she has of just standing her ground at this point. Oh, it, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's that's in her nature, so... Yeah, so elsewhere on Ferrix, we have Andor having a little bit more of redeeming qualities because he actually repays his debt and he pays like 12,000 credits or something to Bix. So I thought that was pretty honorable. I, that was, again, like we haven't really seen a lot of momentum from Andor with his character so far, I would say. Like he's just, he just did the mission because he was told to. But now we're seeing the return again. It was like the midway point. This is where things are coming to a head. Like he's gone back to Ferrix. He's an honorable man. He has, and we see that in Rogue One. Like he's got honor when he decides to do this sacrifice, like this suicide mission and everything. We're seeing 
bits of his character shine out. And that's what I expected from the series so far is like seeing bits of the good Andork coming out. And, um, you know, I think he's going to really feel bad for leaving Bix behind, but he's got to do what he's got to do. So did you guys take anything away from this scene? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, uh, I would say with Cassian in it, like, it was definitely one of his better moments of the series, just because of, you know, the things that you mentioned there, Chris, like, a lot of this series so far for me with Cassian, I mean, we've talked about it for several weeks now, I feel like on this podcast, like, he's, he's been, you know, kind of like a, not C character, but, you know, he's been kind of like, not, not the most interesting character. I mean, look, we just sat here and we had a big 20-minute discussion over that little Imperial conversation um, between, uh, you know, Yularen and the girl, uh, you know, that whole that whole deal, because all the Imperial stuff is so interesting. Like, a lot of the stuff with Cassian hasn't been interesting at all, other than obviously, like, the action, some of the action. Some of the character moments have been good, but for a lot of his stuff, it's just been kind of bland, I guess. So, like, this was a nice moment. Just because, like you mentioned, it shows like he's still honor, or he he's he's honorable now in the series or getting there. Um, because, like, I guess if we're watching this, say, without the knowledge of Rogue One, you know, this is a nice, like, necessary step in his character pushing forward. So, uh, so yeah, for me, I thought it was done really well. Heck yeah! So we're gonna transition into our final. Uh, segment of uh, tonight's episode and that is getting into um, this new planet I, I mean unless somebody else wants to correct me unless it was in a Marvel's comic book I do not believe we've ever gone to to this new beach location if you guys recognize this name before it's oh. like called like Niam Niamos Niamos as I pick up the episode and watch it again uh, never made notes of it. okay Nia Niamos is it looks like a a beach retreat. Now, if we go way back to about a year ago, Ben, um, we gotten a lot of leaked photos from this set. I remember seeing the shore troopers. I remember seeing the same outfit that Diego Luna was wearing in this. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there were plenty of leaks back then, and yeah, like this this whole beach planet or beach um, getaway, like it's cool seeing these different environments in Star Wars. And also uh, a shout out to like the composer who did the music for the whole sequence. I thought the music was really well done. Like, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but it felt like the music felt like something you'd hear in like Miami or like, you know, one of those like really um, tropical, like beach locations. Like it felt something or like Costa Rica or, you know, something, yeah. something like that. So like, it really felt, it really like really felt for me, like, like we were in a beach area, like it, because, you know, um, so like in a uh, rogue one, for example, at Scarif, like, of course you have, like, the beach, but that didn't feel like, you know, an actual, like, beach, because obviously because it was, like, an Imperial base, like, this felt like an actual vacation place. So, like, I thought the whole world-building aspect of that was done really well. And then, of course, like, we'll get into the stuff that happens with Cassian, but, yeah, that's those are, like, my initial thoughts on the location. Yeah, so um, this is mature Star Wars at its finest because we open up with an episode where, or we open up with the series where he's in a brothel. Then we open up on this point and he basically just got it on with somebody. He's taking a shower. Like, like this is some, yeah. some Star Wars storytelling I wasn't sure we'd ever see. 
Hey man, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> look, look, look. There, listen, I'm just keep it real with y'all, man. Like all, all your listeners who are watching this episode. Look, we grown. People have sex in Star Wars too, man. So <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. I mean, but, like, yeah, people take showers <laughs> in Star Wars. Sometimes you cuddle in Star Wars. It happens. So to me, it makes sense. And you're on a beach. If, if you got a beautiful woman. If you at the beach, you better try to cuddle with her. Okay, stop. <laughs> I like how she's like, I got a grocery list for you. I want you to go to the store and pick up this stuff. It's just yeah, like our, such our a girl, normal we, thing we in Star Wars. Listen, listen. It, let's be real here. If, if, if we're in Cassian Andor, we got this chick with us. She's a hottie. You know, things happen. Can you go to the grocery store? Whatever you need, girl. I got you. It makes sense to me. And Cassian did what he needed. And he has what? Two... He has what two hundred grand he just got? Like, like that. I mean, <laughs> yep. like, hey, have a, have a good time, man. Right. I mean, for, for, for yeah, for all we know, you know, it could be some random chick he picked up at the beach, or some old flame that he that that he knew way back when the day who who happened to just live at that beach. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But he hung out. Yeah. He, he hung out with old girl. Makes sense to me. Yep, we got yeah. Sura. We got Suru in the chat. I do not want to um, try to pronounce uh, their name because I probably butcher it, so I'll abbreviate it. Suru is saying might be an old flame. So there you have it. It's on the line, okay. same line. I think with you, uh, Milton. But um, but this was a really cool scene because it opens up and you see a really cool Star Wars uh, new alien. It looks like a big mall, and there's like this woman just like sipping. Drink on the beach, but it was so weird. Like the way that a Star Wars beach is, it's like a, it's like a bunch of like uh, steps, and they have like the chairs, and and everybody's just like staring at the ocean. It was just such a weird scene because all these guys are just running around, and the short troopers like, hey, get back here, you know, scare short trooper, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 was interesting. Now, what was your reaction? I want to hear it from you guys. What was your reaction um, to everything going on with the K two droid, the KX droid? So to me, and I'm I, I did not like the scene at all. I was actually kind of annoyed with it just because to me it didn't make any sense, but then it kind of did because I I did not remember like the the ISB stating like you know sentences will be like harsher now. But when I had to remember that, I was like. First of all, he wasn't even doing anything. I was like, why are they stopping him? Yeah. You know, you know but then, then in my head, I think of real life. It's like, well, you know, like being pulled over by like some some shitty of a cop, you know, or like be, being profiled just because, you know, you look a certain way, you may act a certain way. Because he even said like, why are you breathing heavy? Or why are you running? He's like, yeah, why are you running? looking around? Why are you looking around like this? He's like, I'm not, I'm exactly. just going to the store. And, 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 and I'm going to throw a little real life in here. You know, as a black man in, in America, when, when I get pulled over, you know, I have to be careful with how I respond or even how I present myself. So in this nature, I'm thinking of like Cassie, I'm thinking, well, listen, he's trying to like not respond a certain way and he's trying to be civil, but he's still not getting the response that he needs to get. And I'm thinking to myself, I've seen that before in real life. I've experienced mm -hmm. that before myself. And clearly ramifications in this particular incidence with Cassie was that he, he got accused of a crime he didn't commit. Now he's got six years in the, in, in the can, potentially. So it's like, it sucks. I was upset with the scene, but it made sense how what they're trying to do. Hopefully this will get resolved in the next episode. This this is like the most exciting thing we've seen, I feel like, and how this episode ended. I mean, it doesn't end on this note in the jail, but it ends with Cyril. 
but still at least for the andor i've never been like more engaged with what happens next in the next episode because he's in prison like what the heck is going to happen he's got all that money still uh, you know hidden above that shower in that apartment wherever it is what the heck is going to happen maybe this is where he like i think ben or somebody put this out there like maybe he finds one of saul's people in prison and he gets involved with them or something right yeah you see like that's kind of um kind of my thinking like my whole thinking as well on the scene i uh you know like you both mentioned you know he wasn't doing anything and they just like kind of kind of arrested him for no reason um but like for me honestly like that scene had really you know with star wars having so many like world war ii vibes like that that's like what you'd imagine like like you know like jewish people maybe getting rounded up back then like like that sort of thing it's like you know just getting arrested for no reason like like it had really like world war ii era vibes to it in my opinion um and then of course like you mentioned nowadays like with a lot of the um the real world stuff going on with people and um different authorities like you know so like that had a lot of um real world amp um ramifications overall and then uh yeah so like you have those and then the whole like him getting taken to jail like he has to get out of jail. We're, I I hope he doesn't sit in jail for the next four four episodes and then he gets out in the fifth. Like he's gonna get out, well, but it's just a matter. It's just a matter of how he gets out. And it's like it's either it's got to be you know something like like I said it's got to either be you know he's in there with Saul, one of Saul's people, or maybe like Luthen and the the rebel cell realizes they have to. They need Cassian still because he was a valuable asset. So maybe they go and recruit Saul. But I think I think Saul's going to be integral in getting him out. Well, here's the thing, though. So he gave a false name. But, I mean, can't they just do some simple thing of, like, checking his blood and getting a more accurate identification? And if that's the case, then they have the most, value, most wanted man in the galaxy that's responsible for the $80 million heist that screwed up the entire galaxy. So actually this is really bad because if somebody finds that out, Oh man, like we'll never get rogue one. Like he's got to, he's got to get out of here somehow before that. And maybe what'll happen is Vel, um, Vel will find out that information. Oh, yeah. Vel will go with, uh, with Cinta and they'll break him out and they'll, they'll have a change of heart where they'll be like, Oh, we aren't going to kill him. Or you know they'll just find uh, they'll 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 find Doctor Evazan and Panda Baba who who have uh, the, the, the death sentence on twelve different systems out there and they'll they'll they'll, they'll pop up for their little cameo. Hey, there we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. they were just in another comic book. It's like whenever you go to a prison, you gotta have Panda Baba in there. You gotta get those twelve different occurrences of the death sentence. So. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, I think we've basically talked as much as we could about this episode. Um, is there any final thoughts you might have, either of you? Then we'll just get into our uh, scores out of 10. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go first on this. I'll give my thoughts and my score. Okay. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought this episode was really, really good. I, I was very pleased with it. I was very engaged with this episode. The only weakness I can say is regarding that character that I will not name because I don't want to know his name, nor do I want to remember his name. <laughs> he's doing nothing. Um, so, like, I, I think that that particular character, he's, he's a waste of space, in my opinion. But, again, that's me 
not fully understanding, and this is why I'm being objective here, I'm not fully understanding where they're taking this character. So hopefully, once I'm seeing how his story develops, maybe at the end of this series, or excuse me, the season, I can go back and say, you know what? Now, after knowing the information, I can now make a full assessment of where this character stands. And maybe I might like what they're doing with him, but as of now, I don't care. Um, but other than that, I love this episode. I love how it, it's, we're seeing the ramifications of that heist and how now the, the, the empire is on full notice about mm -hmm. the inklings and beginnings and formations of the rebellion. So if I had to rank this out of 10, this is my first nine of the year. I, I would give this a nine out of 10. Holy crap. Because this is, pro again, like this is, and, and like I said, I had two other favorite episodes, but because I think the writing and pacing was so tight, the story development was episode was so tight, except for that one particular character, not a perfect episode. I didn't need the action for this one because we don't, it needed to reset itself for the second half of the year. Nine out of 10. All right. Um, I'm going to pick up. I'm also going to give it a 9 out of 10. So there we go. Um, everything, I'll echo what you said. I'll echo what I said in the beginning because my mind hasn't changed. We've had great, healthy discussion on the channel tonight. Very positive. It's been nice being positive about this show <laughs> and about Star Wars because sometimes we get into it. That's all fun. Uh, we're all fans here. But we're all on the same page, I think. But yeah, everything from what I said a few minutes ago about this episode, even if there are characters that are in different organizations that never met with each other before, just that the, this is one of the best Star Wars episodes that dealt with a galaxy a spanning event that we've ever seen. Just the way it's it's integrated into the the, the, the lives of just the middle lower middle class people of Coruscant to the higher echelons of the Empire to the people of the early rebellion, everything, you got this wave of impact that has spread throughout the galaxy. And we're seeing how all these people are responding in their own ways. We're seeing the spy craft coming from the spies themselves, but also from the political aspect with Mon Mothman, how she's making deals, very much like House of Cards and uh, The Wire and all these other shows. So everything comes together. The acting, the performances were great, as I said, Marva Fiona was uh, fantastic in this role. Uh, Andor having really some great development, really getting a little bit of that bright side to his character that we'll see eventually transpire in Rogue One, getting everything uh, from the insides of the Empire and, and the backstabbing that they brought from the Sith. All that, 9 out of 10, damn good episode. Ben, what's your final thoughts and score out of 10? Yeah, I mean, for me, I can pretty much say it's similar to both of you. I think the episode was really, really well done. For me, it was the best episode of the series by far. Um, you know, between the characters, the implications for all of the characters, really, everyone ranging from Cassian to Mon Mothma to Luthen to um, Eero or uh, the Imperial officer, the girl name, um, her, her, her story, um, all of these different characters... I mean, heck, even Cassian's um, stepmom, like, all of these different characters were, uh, you know, they had good character moments in the show, in the in the episode, and I think it just made this episode feel the best, and, like, the, um, I guess the editing, as I mentioned to start the show, 
the editing for this episode was on point and done in such a good way where it's like, all right, we don't have to worry about, you know, like sitting on a scene too long. Like the episode just was snappy. It moved. Um, there were a lot of really good things in it. Like, like I said, I really liked the, the music at the end on the beach place because it felt like Miami or Costa Rica or somewhere like that, like a real tropical um, vibe to it. I thought that was done really well. And then, uh, yeah, just seeing our, our first stormtroopers, that was that was great. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like, you know, your little Easter eggs, like your Emperor Hens, your Yularens, like stuff like that. Um, you know, just makes the episode for me a 9 out of 10. There you go. Nines across the board. Suru in the chat has given it an 8 out of 10. We are very excited for the next episode of Andor. Um, so we just have a couple more quick stories. Just fly by these stories here. We have an update on Jedi Survivor. We got this from the Grub Snacks man himself, Jeff Grubb. Uh, very prominent uh, Star Wars, not Star Wars, but very prominent gaming journalist out there giving us the scoops. He's also kind of caught on. I'm like, hey, we, we, we haven't heard about Jedi Fallen Order or Jedi Survivor. Is it coming out still? And he's got information saying, yes, the promotion will start in December. The game is still coming out in March, so we can expect the full-blown gameplay trailer, I would assume, coming out on the Game Awards hosted by Jeff Keighley as we get it every every December that comes out with a bevy of new game reveals and Jedi Survivor will most likely be one of those. And then we're going to have a very small, uh, small kind of promotional period for only a couple months to build up the hype for that game once again that got revealed officially back at Celebration in April, we also have a new initiative for some collectors out there if they're interested over the next several weeks. Star Wars is having something called Bring Home the Galaxy. So every Tuesday, we're going to get some more product reveals. This one's pretty cool. We have a Black Series helmet for the first week that got revealed for the Clone Clone Trooper, specifically Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet. Um, it changes your voice. Oh, man, I'm, like, really tempted to buy this thing, especially with the voice changing. It's the plain one, but I know if I would ever get it, I would do a a custom job with uh, the blue paint to make it the good old 501st helmet. Um, Because I was looking at one of these at one of the booths that they had in Comic-Con a couple weeks ago. Um, It it had one, and it was probably double the price of this. So a little little, uh, elbow grease and a little bit good old uh, customization. Uh, it, It might be worth worth getting for a bargain one day. The other thing we want to talk about, or at least mention, is there has been a change of leadership over at Lucasfilm. So Michelle Wejron, she has stepped down. Um, She's still going to be working for Lucasfilm as a producer, so you're still going to see her name attached uh, to many Star Wars projects. But she spent, uh, let's see, a lot of time with, uh, I think it was The Force Awakens. Oh, uh, yes. The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yep. yep. Yeah. So she was very much uh, a big a big name with guiding guiding the ship. I mean, we don't have any insider information on, on why the switch up happens. Sometimes people's personal lives get in the way. Sometimes people are just uh, want to move, move somewhere else. So... Uh, I'm, I don't know how much change this is going to have, but for those uh, that are interested, yes, uh, she's still going to be working there, but um, no longer going to be um, a senior vice president, I believe, well, Yep, of yeah. uh, live action development. Yep. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the interesting thing with her 
Yeah, so she was the senior vice president of live action development. You know, so basically, when they first introduced her, like if you look up the article from 2019 or so, a couple years ago now, um, if you look up that article, like the way they introduced her was, you know, she was going, she was supposed to be like kind of the guiding hand over all of these live action projects. Like, you know, it was kind of, they were kind of doing like the whole Kevin Feige vibes. Like she was supposed to be like the guiding live action person for star Wars. And it just makes you wonder what happened there. Cause I mean, you know, her main producing credit is uh, the rise of Skywalker. Like that was her main one. And it just makes you wonder um, like what happened there again. You know, as you mentioned, we don't know, we don't know what happened like, or it could be, you know, she's young. I think she's only in her mid-30s or upper 30s. And maybe she got into that role, and I'm sure many people have. You you go get a promotion, and then you're like, oh, man, this is way too much. Like, my experience level is not, like, yeah. suited for this. And there's a there's a chance maybe it was just potentially too much. Like, like you said, it's not like she's leaving the company. It's just she's stepping down from that role. So I feel like it has something to do with that. Um but also, I'm interested to see who takes that place, if anybody takes that place. Um, and I think, like, not, not, I mean, this is just pure speculation at this point, but I, I think there's also side random ramifications from, remember, you know, a year or two ago when Dave Filoni had that promotion, you know, he has more creative control, that sort of stuff. It makes me wonder if, like, with him moving up to more of a, uh, like, senior-type role, if that had something to do with this, where, like, you know, now he has, you know, more control over his portion of, like, the Star Wars galaxy versus, like, say, uh, Michelle Rezwan, like, you know, being, like, the live-action, like, person guiding it. So just, um, you know, it's definitely interesting to see, and I just, um, I'm interested to see if they actually fill that role or not. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll just have to uh, keep it out. It's funny because sometimes, yeah. like, when when new roles get announced, people don't find out until, like, a couple months later. Like, their names will appear in an article and it'll, and it'll have, like, a title that they haven't had before. And then people look it up and be like, hey, they've had that title for, like, three or four months now. Just nobody knew about it. I think that's what, exactly what happened with Dave Filoni. They're like, oh, yeah, Dave has yep. had that role for, like, six months. We just never told anybody about it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I feel like it could be one of those situations where they already have somebody in that role. It's just like... There's no fanfare for it. They just one day it just comes out and we're like, oh, that's cool. Like it's not any effect on any of us, like with yeah. what direction. But um, as for next week, it's gonna be a big week. Um, just like it was last week for us. Uh, we don't really have a, a plan of action per se. We're gonna play it by ear because we're we're getting not only Andor, but we're getting six episodes of a brand new Star Wars series next week. So we are at least. Hopefully going to get a, at least maybe like a first impressions on Tales of the Jedi. They're releasing all six episodes the same day of Andor. Um, from what I hear, there's people that have watched it already. I think the total runtime of all six is like 80 minutes. So, you know, just under an hour and a half. But still, that's that's more time we need to invest with watching these things. So um, our plan of action, I'll say, is definitely we'll talk about Andor next week for sure. Like we did in good detail this week with this. And... Maybe at least if some of us has watched some of the episodes, we'll we'll at least try to give our our non-spoiler like first impressions or something. But um, we will know for sure this time next week. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, hey, my first impressions already without seeing it is I'm definitely excited. I'm I'm really excited for that show because like getting to getting to see. Um, you know, I think you're kind of with me on this too, Milton. I think the most exciting part about Tales of the Jedi coming up is the Dooku and Qui Gon yep. stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm one thousand percent like. Of course, we love Ahsoka and everything, but I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen I've seen a lot of Ahsoka over the years, so like I'm ex- I'm mostly really excited for the Count Dooku and yeah. Qui Gon stuff. It's our first glimpse into like the furthest back storytelling in Star Wars. I, I'm. I'm most intrigued as the as the canon hound on the podcast about who how are they going to go around the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama that Kevin Scott wrote because I recently revisited that in preparation for trying to figure out the finer details of how they're going to navigate if they're going to retcon if it's going to be like Bad Batch episode one with Kanan Jarrus <laughs> and it's like oh I can see it now the internet is going to be a flame on Wednesday if there's anything there so. Uh, <laughs> You guys can uh, can look forward to our at least mentioning. I, can, I already gave my first impressions. That's right, because I've seen it at Star Wars Celebration in April. I've seen the first episode at least, uh, the one where Ahsoka is a baby. So there you go, there you go. Um, but we'll give more thoughts on that next week. For everything else on the channel, I have two videos now uploaded about New York Comic Con of a cosplay video. I have a um, vlog type video of just random places I've been and seen and things outside of the convention I did. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. Um, as far as this week, yeah, just can see my uh, comic book reviews. I have Darth Vader review, Dr. Aphra's coming out next Wednesday. So I'll be talking about that. Um, but other than that, that's probably all I'm going to be having on the channel in the next week or so. I want to send a shout out to everybody in the chat. We had Naomi, we had Suru, who is a brand new viewer. Thanks, appreciate it. We also had Aaron Daly, our loyal follower there. So everybody can also join the chat as those did every week, nine o'clock, especially it's Andor season. So you know we're going to be chatting in depth to this detail every single week. And you could listen to us if you're driving around at the gym, whatever you prefer to do anywhere that podcast can be found. Just search Outer Rim Transmission and do give us a review, especially if it's on Spotify. Definitely could use that and share us around. All right. So where can everybody find you guys, Ben and Milton? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton Seven Weber, um, yeah. So this weekend, just hanging out with family uh, and just getting ready to watch some football this Sunday. Man, it's a good time if you're a Phillies fan. That's for sure. A lot Not of a good Phillies sports. fan. I don't really do. I don't really do Philly baseball. I'll be honest with you. Um, I do like the Yankees, so I do try to watch some of their playoff <laughs> games. But look, my Eagles are undefeated. That's all I care about right now. See, that's how much of a noob I am. I meant to say like a Philadelphia flam, but then I realized <laughs> as I said Phillies, like you literally took it too literally as like the baseball team only. I know, I know, a lot of the Philadelphia teams are doing well. Is what I meant to say. That's <laughs> all good. I, I mean, <clears throat> like I'll watch them when it's on, but not really like a baseball head like that. <clears throat> Yeah, it takes too much. It takes too much time to watch baseball. All right, who's got time for that? And now, and now I'm getting. I barely watch TV. And now, I barely watch TV anymore. So it's like, yeah. And now we're gonna get flamed in the comments. All the baseball fans are gonna disown me. Let's. All right, I'll I'll take that one. Baseball. Let's just let's just be real. It's boring and it's nowhere near football. So uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's well deserved. 
Oh yeah, it for sure is like like I mean last week in my the Guardians, uh, you know, they had some exciting walk off games with our young our young player and stuff. Uh, so you know, it, it we there's definitely good moments like that. But for me, you know, you can find me at Real Ben Maynard on Twitter and Instagram, talking talking complaining about the Browns stinking and um, hoping they some pull off a win. I don't know if they will, but we'll see. Um, and then we'll see. If, you know, like you said, Milton, the Eagles keep going undefeated. I mean, I think I, I don't like to look ahead on schedules, but I really like the look of their schedule this year. So we'll see how they keep pushing. And then, of course, like on Instagram, you know, you can find us posting our uh, our fitness and our workout stuff. Like for me, I'm I'm getting back to it this coming week, getting back on the diet, getting back on the hard workout grind, just because like I mentioned to start the podcast, I've been sick this week, so I'm starting to feel better and it's Back to uh, all the workout grind starting this weekend and, you know, of course, on Monday. There you go. You got to train like a Jedi, man. got to train like yep. a Jedi. So there you, go. <laughs> there you go. So make sure, of course, everybody, you follow the channel, youtube.com slash Starraptor. Subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at Starraptor. So for Milton, for Ben, for me, Chris, that's going to do it for us here. For Outer Rim Transmissions was episode number 79. Thanks, everybody, for watching. May the Force be with you always. And transmission.